Hello, everybody, and welcome to the House Divided podcast. I am Brendan, and as always, I am with Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, how are you? Uh, doing all right, Brendan. Uh, we're uh, we're one week closer to football season being over, mercifully. So, <laughs> you know, that's that's getting there. Yeah, we are, and um, we'll we'll get into all of that and all of why we are excited for football season to end. But we're gonna lead off with more of a somber tone um, this morning. Uh, it was announced uh, via Twitter, or at least that's how I saw it, that uh, Zach Winston, the younger brother of Cassius, passed away um, last night by getting – just in a bad accident. Um, obviously, our thoughts are with Cassius and his entire family. Uh, we, we saw earlier he is playing against Binghamton, and um, it's just this whole thing has been surreal. The last day or so yeah yeah pretty uh pretty tough news to see this morning i uh just got back from playing a drop or playing a mentally cocky game and pulled my phone up and uh you know saw a headline statement about cassius figured it was you know a game day headline and then to read the whole thing and kind of let that sink in was uh, yeah, it was a it was a weird morning, uh, especially just a couple weeks removed from uh, Zach and Kai, both uh, Cassius's younger brothers, coming up with Albion for the exhibition game. So, uh, like you said, I mean, we we don't really know much, and it's not really even too much to even really get into. It's just uh, it's a young person's life lost, and it's sad, and uh, you know, hopefully. Hopefully, uh, playing basketball tonight, it looks like Cash is uh, getting some smiles out of it and a distraction for a couple hours, but obviously it's going to be a long-term thing for him and his family have to deal with. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, sucks. Um, you it's know. hard to find the right words in a situation like this because there are no right words. And uh, we just wanted to touch on it and send our condolences uh, to the Winston family and Really, the whole uh, Michigan State basketball family, as well as uh, the Albion basketball family. Um, moving on to less real things, um, we barely missed the announcement of Chase Young uh, and what happened with that when we recorded earlier last week. Um, so Friday morning, it came out that Chase Young had committed an NCAA violation in 2018. Um, and that he was suspended indefinitely. He missed the Maryland game on Saturday. Uh, reports came out today that he will the suspension will likely be two games. Um, there have been different rumors about who he took money from. It was a loan from somebody, anywhere from a family friend to an agent, is what I heard. I don't think anybody really knows except for you know Chase and people actually in the situation. Um, but but it's likely he's going to miss this Saturday against Rutgers and then be back for Penn State in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, it uh, seems kind of good timing or fortunate timing for Ohio State. And uh, regardless of our opinions on if it's something that he should actually be suspended for or not, um, you know, obviously if it under the current rules, I guess it's breaking the rules and whether we like the rule or not, that is breaking the rules. So uh, it kind of feels like uh, from my perspective, uh, it feels like once again, 
you know, if you're Ohio State, your quarterback gets immediately eligible and your guys who take money are quickly eligible and only have to miss Maryland and Rutgers. That's just the luck and the fortune that they have. Um, yeah, so it's uh, – I doubt it will matter next week. <laughs> he'll just get a two-week vacation and, uh, you know, he'll get a little more probably chirping at the big house from uh, from your faithful. But other than that, seems like he probably won't be changed one bit and their team uh, didn't skip a beat at all without him either. Uh, no, so then I – the the most exciting fun part for me was the uh, I don't know if you if anyone else uh, if you guys subscribed to the Banner Society newsletter um, former web uh, you know like Spencer Hall the guys from SB Nation uh, their website but uh, there's a conspiracy theory going around that uh, because Chase Young is from Damascus Catholic which is in Maryland. Uh, it is someone who is now currently on the Maryland staff and connected to the Matha Catholics snitching on him uh, just in time for the Maryland game, which, if that was the case, extremely backfired. Yeah, so, and apparently uh, uh, Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson were speculating that very thing on the broadcast. Yes, <laughs> yes they were. Uh, that's what I read, too. I obviously didn't hear it. Uh, wasn't really watching a second of that game. Nope. Uh, but, yeah, hey, you know, we uh, we went out on a limb to say that we were comfortable with plus 44. Uh, for, or, I'm sorry, minus 44. And uh, we covered that one easily. So, yeah. And uh, uh, it, was, it was so funny because Eric tweeted at us his picks this week. Uh, and he, <laughs> he took Maryland plus 44 and said in parentheses, kind of feels like cheating because I know the Chase Young news and you guys didn't. And us not knowing that news might have saved us and helped us make the right pick. Crazy, is uh, it? I don't know. I told, I told him right away I said he's an idiot because I said I, that doesn't matter. Like, he, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You should still beat them by 44, and they easily did. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if it would have changed my opinion. Um, but yes, yeah, we, uh, we did get a little bit of help to, to, for our confidence there. Yes. And speaking of, uh, big 10 football, Minnesota, Penn state, something that you and I couldn't have been further off base on. Um, and then did you catch that? Like most of that game, it was fun as hell. No. So we were, we were at the tailgate, uh, satellite dish wasn't working. So Heard it on, like, someone was streaming it on the radio, uh, but did not catch any, like, I've seen some of the, you know, the highlights since. Um, all I can say from just catching on radio is it sounded like Sean Clifford threw about 100 interceptions, because I swear to God, every time I turned around, he was turning the ball over. Yeah. Uh, but that might have just been the three times I heard him, too. Uh, but, no, it sounded like Minnesota was never really in doubt. They kind of just until the last wire to wire. Yeah, they were not yeah. – the entire second half was never in doubt until the last drive of the game, and uh, they ended they ended up trying to throw a fade to K.J. Hamler for some reason, and it just never ended up happening. They never found the end zone. And, yeah, Sean Clifford threw yet another pick to seal the deal. Um, he had a very up-and-down day. It was a situation where he just made so many baffling throws. It felt like every other throw was just horrible. But then the good throws were really good. He was putting a couple of them right on the money. Kind of felt like Trubisky today. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there was actually – Or, was actually or Clifford against Michigan, too, you know. I, guess, I mean, now that's two games now that he's done that. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see him line up against the Ohio State defense in a couple of weeks because you know he has the capability to make some really nice throws, but the odds are he's probably going to throw just as many awful throws that end up biting him in the ass. Uh, so that was interesting, though. Minnesota actually pulling out that win doesn't stop for them. They have to go uh, to Iowa. Got some uh, – not an evening, but – well, it starts at 4, so it will be evening uh, by halftime. Game at Kinnick. So that'll be interesting to see if they can keep this run going. Um, and then our only other piece of news was today Michigan again beat Michigan State in soccer in the Big Ten quarterfinal. Uh, I, I know you were watching most of this game, um, as did I. It was a very good game. I haven't got to watch a lot of college soccer this year, but it was a really back-and-forth type uh, deal, and I'm excited to watch more of Michigan on their tournament. Huh? So it, it reminded me, again, because similar with you, have not seen uh, – I think now total I've probably watched – you know, three college soccer games, and they've all been MSU Michigan just because they're on BTN. Uh, so the one year, the one uh, last year, and then both games this year. Um, this one felt like, uh, like I felt like I was watching Tom and Astros hockey again, where MSU was just in their own half playing defense the entire time. Uh, but they were playing it well enough that you're like, oh, they could maybe squeak this out and win. And then once the goal went in, it's like, okay, we're not scoring again. So yeah. this is probably over. They did get a couple good chances there in the last 10 minutes or so. But, yeah, Michigan Yeah, Michigan always looked like the better side, the more likely to win. It just felt like – For they, sure. It, it felt like maybe they might be stifled. Um, I actually – know quite a few of the players because as I've said on the show before I follow semi-professional soccer pretty closely here in Michigan um, and there's quite a few players that play for both Detroit City FC and AFC Ann Arbor um, so it, it's cool seeing them in a different setting playing for their schools like Hunter Morse the Michigan State goalkeeper and Owen Finnerty the Michigan goalkeeper actually both played for Detroit City FC this summer uh, and then Jack Callahan, who ended up getting the winner, played for, for uh, AFC Ann Arbor. So it was cool for me to watch and a lot of the other people that follow the same type of stuff. And for those wondering, Michigan's next game, if you want to catch any of it, because they are a fun team, will be away to Penn State, I believe, on Friday evening in the semifinal. And crazy if I'm wrong, is Morse a freshman too? Uh I do not know. I know Finnerty's a freshman because he was like, okay, he he was either had just turned eighteen or was still seventeen when they played AFC Ann Arbor. I remember James James L. Edwards of the Athletic had an article about him. Um, but yeah, I, I do not know if more how old Morris is. But yeah, both both goalkeepers put in. Okay, looks like he's a looks like he's a redshirt sophomore. I heard something about a freshman today, and I was. It was around the time he made a save, so I was curious here was it about him. But, yeah, it looks like he's a, a sophomore. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it was a good game, though. I think uh, uh, Ulu Agunwile, I butchered that name, uh, on MSU. And then uh, he'll be a guy that I want to watch in the future. Uh, a little sad that I'm only just learning who Michael Watungu is because he was fun to watch as a center back. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a it was a fun game. I think uh, goal next year is to try and get out to uh, get to one of their games for sure. Um, you know, because uh, they played a pretty fun brand of uh, 
soccer. I think uh, not as fun as Michigan. Michigan's a little more freewheeling, but uh, yeah, definitely got to get back again. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll make that a point next year. More college soccer coverage because we don't cover enough sports. Um, so, uh, with that being said, I know you're dreading it, but we eventually had to get into this game. Michigan State and Illinois played a football game yesterday. Um, do you want to take the lead, or would you rather me? <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. Well, where do you want to go? What do you? Uh, well, See, let me. Oh. Listen, so so let me start off with uh, a reading as we get ready for this. Uh, let's see here. Let me just pull up some stats here. Okay, so from October 13th, I think this is an important stat. Uh, Brendan, there is no God. You're no God. So listen up. Nobody cares. We're all irrelevant, irrelevant trash, you especially. Please continue to enjoy Arby's. Uh, that's about where I'm at with football right now. Oh, my um, God. The the existential dread in about 20-minute meltdown I had today watching the Bears and feeling that it was exactly like I watched the Bears yesterday, but in green and white, uh, was too much for my brain to handle at one point. Uh, so I just tweeted through it, as one does. Um, gosh, that was awful yesterday. I, I don't know how else to – how do you get 525 yards with one of the worst offenses in the country and then your defense chokes like that? Yeah, I mean – Defense, coaches, everyone. That's kind of know. Illinois – that's Illinois' brand though, right? I mean, they were up, they were down 28-0 yeah. to zero against Michigan as well and came back. Yeah. It just, it, They're just a very opportunistic team. I think uh, there was some stat they were talking about how Illinois has the most points off of turnovers in the country like this just the thing like you they're not going to put drives together but if you waste drives and turn the ball over and give them scoring opportunities that's the way that they win games and unfortunately for MSU the fourth quarter became the perfect game for Illinois to win um for lots of different reasons but uh yeah just frustrating you know to be honest if the offense looks bad and you lose whatever that's what you expect but I don't think we expected uh the defense to once again let a team similar to the Arizona State game just put together a drive you know in the final minutes to to finish it off no and I don't I didn't expect it certainly I I was at work through most of this game just constantly checking the score and I remembered thinking kind of when it was 28 to 3 and I was like and my, my thought process was, eh, maybe Illinois will kind of make it uncomfortable and that'll at least be nice because that's what they did to Michigan. So I can laugh for the same yeah. reasons. And then I just kept on checking the score and checking the score. And then I tuned in with a couple minutes left and uh, got to see the ending. And, yeah, I mean, my only note for this game was Brandon Peters. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I got to find his stat line because he wasn't exactly efficient, but by – mere volume he had a good day yeah he did I, you know the thing that uh was probably the most frustrating especially as the uh the comeback was going on and again I felt like I was watching it today as the Bears are playing the Lions against Jeff Driscoll was MSU just kept getting chances to where they could have gotten a sack or gotten him on the ground and he just fought through 
arm tackles and then would make a completion for 15 yards. Um, he just, you know, he looks really good. Uh, definitely, he said, not the most efficient, um, but he picked on Shakur Brown and uh, Josh Butler when they were in coverage, and that's been an issue for MSU most of the season. Basically, uh, it's Josiah Scott and a bunch of pretty good corners but with him, but just not enough as uh, to make you feel like Justin Lane back there. So, yeah, uh, they got their shots, and, uh, yeah, and MSU once again, has never won a game when they go into the prevent defense and that they do it every single time. Uh, I have no idea why they don't just send the house more, but they got burnt again playing prevent in a late game situation. Yeah, and I I am a consistent believer that the prevent defense is actually useless and just a way that college coaches try and make – um, games more entertaining by making them closer because it does nothing. I, like, there's no point to it. Uh, forgive me for changing subjects real quick, but I am just now looking through the uh, scoring summary of this game. For they scored with no time left in the half on a 46-yard pass, an 83-yard yeah. touchdown pass, a 76-yard interception return. Oh my word! Yes, I yeah, I and I I don't even I'm not even trying. That's to how that's that how you do an upset right there. Uh, no, yeah, that's how you do an upset, right? Uh, I think MSU was the better team down to down. Uh, was probably the better team, but they didn't do. You know, Elijah Collins late in the game. It's thirty-one to thirty. Um, right after that interception return, Elijah Collins breaks a great run but he just doesn't have the breakaway speed, so they catch him around the 30-yard line of Illinois. Um, that's the difference. You know, Illinois, when they got into the open field, finished that play with a touchdown. Uh, and it's just those are the things this year that are just not going MSU's way or, um, you know, just just not there talent-wise or, or certain skill set-wise. Uh, if that's Anthony Williams that breaks that run, probably a touchdown, but it just happened to be it was, uh, you know, the running back just maybe a little bit slower. Uh, so he got caught. And it's just, yeah, that's the that's the difference between finishing a game against Illinois with a win uh, and feeling pretty good about yourself going into the Michigan week and then having a loss where you put up 500 yards and you still can't feel good going into the Michigan week. There's, the difference is just those little plays like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, wow, the time of possession, too, is like 38 minutes to 22. This is just – it's a really rough day, and, you know, it, after the first half, after three quarters even, it just seemed like it was it was a good performance from Michigan State, a good rebound after having to play three really good teams in a row. And then uh, then uh, that's the avalanche. I mean, yep. yeah, and, and there's not much more to say about it unless you have anything. I'm not going to make you drone on and on about this game because there's about no positives <laughs> no, just... for doing that. No, it's, you know, and the thing about it is it's, you, you leave the game and I think the hardest part of an MSU fan right now is like everyone can be, have their own different opinions on replace a coach, get rid of a coach. He should retire. I don't want to retire. I want to hire a new offensive coaches, whatever your opinion is. We all get to the same end point of 
because of the fact that there is not a real athletic director in charge, none of this matters. (laughs) If you're one that wants him fired, well, that's not going to happen for a million reasons. Uh, If you want him to retire, that's fine. But anyone who doesn't want to retire can come back and say, so what you're saying is you want Bill Beekman to be in charge of the search for a replacement. So you kind of get into this place where you're like, you know what, whatever, run him, run him back for one more year. Maybe if there's a new AD that allows you to do the thing where the AD gets to hire his own coach and it's just a smoother transition. Uh, Cause a bad hire really can set you back further than D'Antonio just continuing to maybe have the program slip. So it's, you feel helpless. You just don't, you don't really know what to do. Right. I mean, it'd be, it'd be like maybe if Michigan had more success with Hoke and had uh had to put up with it or, or felt like, you know, uh, they kept someone as an interim after Dave Brandon, who was pretty weak or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it's hard to explain how you just, you're just helpless. You don't, none of it is good options. Probably the best option of not having a complete implosion might be D'Antonio coming back and you just hope that he changes a few coaches. Yeah. And I mean, that is probably the best option here is um, an, an off season where Mark stays. At least, and at least the best and most realistic. We can say that there are definitely better options, but they well, don't yeah, seem the, very realistic. The best option is getting, you know what I mean? Yeah. The best option is getting Nick Saban to come home, but the best right? <laughs> most realistic option is most likely for Mark to stay. And instead of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, making actual substantive changes and bringing somebody with a different philosophy, an outside eye. Um, But yeah, um, it's it's clearly a very unique situation, and and it seems more likely this off season for that to actually happen, with the fact that a lot of the guys got are put on one year contracts. You know, because it's. Because now it's not now it's not that you chose not to fire them; it's that you chose to then offer them an extension. That's a totally different thing. Yes, that is very different, and um, it'll be very interesting to see how this unfolds. Maybe less interesting for you, just because you don't want to deal with it. But uh, yeah, you, know, you yeah, not want to deal with it. Like so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Just more well, nihilistic RVs and more mozzarella sticks. That's all I'm thinking. Yep. And uh, I do want to cheer you up, though. So we're going to talk about the weekend that was in college hockey. Um, Mich- we'll start with Michigan State because I think how this weekend played out was way more than you expected. You, we were going into this weekend talking about it's a win if they get some points. Well, a regulation win – and in the loss, it was a competitive, and they showed some spirit. That's a good result. So give me some of your thoughts on the MSU-Penn State uh, series this weekend. Yeah, so I ended up not being able to catch any of Saturday's game, kind of more just following it on uh, Twitter. So I have a little bit less thoughts on that. But Friday night was you know, kind of like what we expected. Um, Penn State got a ton of shots. Uh, they put up, I think, 48 was the final count. Um, so a lot of offense from Penn State as far as like uh, just throwing everything at the net and all that. But uh, it was really, despite the 48 shots, I would say that it was kind of a bend but don't break from MSU. Like they were in positions, they were in shooting lanes, they weren't giving up grade A chances. It was just that 
Penn State was going to take that shot from the top of the circle or uh, from the half wall way out up by the boards, um, which other teams maybe they look for a better shot. So that's how you end up going against and having 48 put up against you. Uh, but they did everything that you needed to do to beat Penn State. They really uh, kept everything to the outside, only took uh, three penalties, uh, I believe was the final count. Uh, of course, they did a negative thing where the Krieger brothers together got a penalty. At I the saw same that, time, yeah. which Made for a two-minute five-on-three, and that is, uh, I love my big dumb sons, but that is peak Krieger brothers right there. Um, uh, they are they are aggressive kids and they like to see the other one be aggressive so they definitely play off of that a little bit um so yeah they had uh they had a little bit they, but that five on three even was an excellent kill uh Patrick Kodorenko did a great job breaking up with a uh three on one rush on that penalty kill and just they played really well uh despite the shot yeah, uh, and it, obviously they played really well. Penn State looked like one of the hottest teams in the country going into this weekend, and to get that, to get a shutout win on Friday night, and then even just to anything after that's gravy. And they kept it close Saturday. Uh, definitely a really good result. Um, yeah, I just I was really impressed. I for I was expecting them to get swept, if I'm being honest, and. Uh, yeah, I think it shows a lot of character to go on the road like that and get a result. Yeah, and they're still obviously experimenting too. Um, they went back to putting Kodorenko and Lewandowski on the line together this weekend, just searching for some more offense and uh, got four goals on Saturday night uh, in the losing effort, unfortunately. But uh, I think Kodorenko's now got a four five game point streak. Um, where he's really finding his game. And so getting those two back together might be something that's a little bit more permanent uh, at this point as they seem to play a little bit better, even if they are going to be top heavy. Uh, So that'll be interesting to see if they stick with that against Michigan both nights this weekend. And uh, I would assume Lefferman will get the Thursday start, but we'll have to see because he didn't have as good of a Saturday after a pretty stellar Friday. So uh, they're still probably going to be rotating goalies. So it, we'll see what they do on the road. DeRitter started in Ann Arbor last year. So we'll see uh, if that's the case again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now to head on to Ann Arbor. Um, another thing that should cheer you up. Wow. Uh, Michigan played Minnesota this weekend in two games, and it went very, very poorly. Uh, I as well watched the entirety of the Friday game but then was unable to see any of the Saturday game um, because of work. And apparently it's a good thing I didn't see the Saturday game because it was just as bad. Um, so for those who don't know, Michigan went and it, they technically tied one-to-one on Friday night, uh, even after the five-on-five overtime, and then they lost in the three-on-three overtime. Uh, so they got one point Friday night and then lost 3-1 in regulation Saturday. Jeremy, they've scored five goals in four Big Ten games. And that's not great against Minnesota. <laughs> it's no. not bad against Ohio State. Ohio State's actually a pretty good defensive team. Uh, people will assume that they're kind of high-flying because they score a lot of goals uh, in the past couple of years. But unlike Penn State, they're more of – they score a lot of goals, but they also keep you from scoring many. So, um, But that's not been the case in Minnesota. This is a very young Minnesota team and you get them at home, uh, to only get, you know, the Bettman point out of the weekend 
is not great. No, it, it's bad. It is genuinely bad. Um, Jack LaFontaine started on Friday night. Not sure who started Saturday for Minnesota, but we talked about that scenario as one that Michigan fans should be hoping for because they were probably going to yep. shell him. And he gave up one goal that was super fluky. It, don't get me wrong. Michigan had a lot of pressure in the third period. And LaFontaine actually played a pretty good game outside of some uh, some really bad rebounds that made me reminisce. Um, it, <laughs> it, it did not make you wistful? No, no. It was uh, it, it was bad. Like he was giving off some really bad rebounds, and they never made him pay for it. The only goal they got was when a puck went off of Hayhurst's leg, and it went in, and it was just a scrappy goal. This team's power play is a mess. They look like a mess on the odd man rush. They had three or four odd man rushes on Friday night that they couldn't convert a single one. Uh, they they have a lot of talent going forward. Johnny Beecher, which by the way. Johnny Beecher is starting to actually look good. Like he uh, he is learning how to use his body uh, at the college level. You can tell where he looked a little bit awkward the first couple games. He's really just skating around people, and he looks like Anthony Mantha a little bit. Um, it's really good to see him progress, but he hasn't had finish, and really nobody on this team has been able to finish. I haven't investigated enough to see if it's a shooting percentage thing, if it's they're just getting unlucky. But really, it just seems like they're not – they're hit it, shooting it into the goalie's chest a lot, and they're just not getting that many high-quality house chances in general. Um, this is super frustrating in Mel's third year. I, I don't know. I feel I, – I, I don't feel hopeless because it's way too early in the season for that. But this was not a good weekend for Michigan. Well, I don't think I think hopeless is kind of like you said. It's probably too soon to say that, but it's it's hard right now to look at them and say like they're they're going to split a lot of weekends or they're going to do good things, but they don't look like a tournament team right now. And I think that's a little disappointing. No, they don't uh, look close in his third year with these with the talent that he has on the roster. Um, you would think that they'd at least challenge for a tournament spot. And right now they look like they they might not challenge that seriously. They only would challenge it in the way of going out and winning the conference tournament, which is, I mean, that's an MSU perspective for the last however many years. Yeah, I know. And that's not where I'd really expect Mel to be right now. No, I am probably like one weekend away. If if it goes poorly this weekend, I'm pretty much already at the point where – I, we just got to get the auto bid, which is so frustrating. Um, I'm not there yet. I still think that there's plenty of time to turn around. Because there is. There are pl- there's plenty of time to turn it around. But this team just looks ho- – like, they don't look hopeless. They look hopeless in the offensive zone. They just don't look like they're really threatening at many times, which sucks because it feels like they're wasting Strauss Mann right now because he has been excellent. Strauss man has started every single game so far and he's, he's not letting in cheap goals. He's making some really good saves playing like a really high quality big 10 goalie. And uh, they're scoring about a goal a night to take advantage of that. Yeah. And they can't afford really to give him a night off because they need, 
they need someone that plays that well uh, right now with how many goals they're not scoring or, you know, with how few goals they are scoring rather um, they can't afford to give them a night off because that's, that's just taking a risk of an, of a loss due to not being able to play a one nothing game or a two, one game. Yeah. It, it also has me want it. No, it doesn't. I don't know. Hayden Levine, I'm sure would be fine, but I get why they're not giving him a chance right now with the way Strauss is playing. Like, it, yeah, he, he's in the zone and eventually he'll probably fall out of that. But until then, just keep riding him because he is hot. Um, and we'll get into that Michigan, Michigan State series on our episode that's going to come out in the midweek. Uh, but other than that, that's uh, about it for hockey. Um, so we just wanted to go over a couple basketball things before we go for the night. Uh, Michigan State, uh, did their game against Binghamton finish? Yeah, it actually just did. And, and very important news for MSU Twitter was that Connor George made a free throw to make the score an even 100 to 47. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, they had to hit us in the field. Uh, I, so if, if you go to Breslin, part of the um, – kind of a tradition of the last few years is after the game, the, the bowl right around the floor, the players will go around and like high five the student section. Basically that's all that front row. Uh, so the student is overload hit again because Cassius Winston got to carry uh, Tamia Tillman around a little bit, um, oh, who man. is uh, Xavier Tillman's daughter. So yeah, it looks like it, it ended pretty well. Uh, it looked like they were having a lot of fun with uh, the final lineup at the end, having including Connor George, Fred Hoiberg's son, uh, which I'm blanking on his name, which I feel terrible about, and uh, Stephen Izzo all on the floor. So we had three coaches' sons out there. Oh, that's um, cool. So yeah, that was a good way to it's a good way to end uh, the game and end the losing streak. And now we're at one and one, Brendan. So we're at, we're not going to go zero and thirty something. Yeah, that's crazy uh, that they can come out and beat Binghamton after that embarrassing <laughs> loss against number two, Kentucky. Uh, Jack Hoiberg, by the way, is uh, – Jack, yes. I, as soon as I got there, I can think of his friend. I can only think of his dad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, a good win for MSU to bounce back. It was never going to be in doubt, but to win by 53 points is obviously good for the kids and, uh, you know, especially good for Cassius, I, I hope. Um, and yeah, so Michigan state plays Seton hall on Thursday and what a lot of people expect to be another big game because it is on the road in the Gavit games. Um, I don't think this is going to end up being a close game and I think they're probably going to blow them out. Do you have any thoughts on this game before that is played? Uh, I kind of agree with you. I think, uh, I think Seton hall lost more than people want to admit and not maybe admit, but I think maybe in the early going, they just don't realize uh, how much they did lose off of a pretty good team last year. Um, you know, a top, top 15 type of team. I just don't think that they're going to uh, be able to hang around for 40 minutes. They may make it a decent first half or hang around for a while, but with how, MSU for parts of the Kentucky game when the whole lineup was able to be in play and also how they look tonight. I, I don't see it being, you know, I'd be surprised if it's a single digit game late in the fourth quarter or not fourth quarter, uh, second half. 
I, I agree with you. I, I really don't think Seton Hall's that good. Just to they're they're at twenty in Ken Palm, but I mean, you know, they haven't played anybody and I just don't see a way that they end up being a, a team that gives MSU too much trouble. But it, it should be interesting to watch this Thursday. Um we'll have our attention in multiple places, obviously, because the hockey game. Uh, and that brings us to Michigan's uh, game and the Gavit games. They uh, host Creighton tomorrow night. Uh, this is a very close matchup for Kempon because Michigan is sitting at 31 and Creighton is at 32. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were at 34 perfect. a couple of days ago, but they're at 32 now. Wow. Yeah, it'll be perfect. Yeah. I think you guys will have, uh, from what I remember, you guys will have a pretty big size uh, – size advantage and so that'll be something that uh, seems like it'll be important if Michigan's playing well they're taking advantage of that size advantage uh if they're not playing well uh that's going to be a concern yeah so that was something that I heard offhand on the moving screen podcast with Brendan Quinn and Dylan Burke. yep that's where I heard it too um, actually <laughs> and, and so I went to look into it so I pulled up their Ken Palm page and yes their tallest starter is six foot seven at Creighton and they only have one player taller than that on the bench, and he is six foot eleven. So immediately, Michigan has two players as tall or taller than their one guy, and he only played sixteen minutes against Kennesaw State in their bye game. It uh, they need to Michigan needs to feed John Teske and Colin Castleton and Brandon Johns. And I, yeah. I know that this is going to be a quick team probably because they're smaller and they're probably going to shoot the ball really well. But really the key here is you have to guard the perimeter and you need to feed the big men because there is nothing that Creighton can do to stop John Teske. I, I don't think there's a single thing that they'll be able to do except try and go right at him and try and get him in foul trouble because yeah, he is the most athletic seven foot one player I've ever seen at Michigan or in college basketball that, that, you know, you might be able to find me people that are just as athletic as athletic, but I just haven't followed closely enough to see, but I, he is easily one of the most impressive big men in terms of his mobility that I've seen watching college hoops. And I, I think he could genuinely have like a 2010 game and that's the way that Michigan wins. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of how you feel about uh, MSU Seton Hall. I, in a way, I kind of feel that about uh, your guys' game with Creighton. It feels like if you guys can have Castleton and Teske on the floor together, like you guys did a little bit um, on your game this week, I think you guys could just pour in points in the paint. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And uh, you know, I'm I'm assuming Xavier Simpson is going to have a good bounce back game too, after a pretty rough first game, uh, and it, it'll be Xavier Simpson in a big time game too, which tends to elevate his uh, play. So I don't I don't see a big concern. I think you guys are uh, pretty pretty good picks for winning that game. Yeah, I mean I sure hope so because um, if the Big Ten ends up being not very good. Uh, this will be a big game that if they can win it in terms of their tournament hopes. Because if Michigan ends up being like the five or six seed in a not that good Big Ten, 
it'll be very yeah. they'll be they'll be squarely on the bubble so a win versus Creighton in the early season might end up making a difference so it's going to be pretty big for the future if they can win um and Michigan also plays Elon on Friday in a bye game who cares it won't matter Elon I love your term bye game by the way yeah uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I can't take credit for that. Uh, it, it's just something I've seen on Twitter, seen people say. But, yeah, that's all it is. If you're playing anybody below, like, 250 in Ken Palm, that is – they are just there to get a paycheck and give you some practice. <laughs> I love it. Nebraska's lost two of them. <laughs> Listen, you know it gets worse. Uh, so, one of my – one of my uh, Twitter friends is a big Syracuse lacrosse guy. Um, do, you, do you know the fun fact about Northwestern's basketball team this year? Uh, no. Okay, let me see if I can pull up. I, I don't want to mess up the uh, the, oh, wait. the history. It, does it have to do with their first game? Because I pulled that up and I now remember. Uh, oh, my God. They lost. No, it. no, nothing to do with their first game per se. They lost uh, to Merrimack. They, to do, they did lose to Merrimack, who is Division One in hockey. So of course they should win all things. Uh, this is their first year being D one in basketball, though, so that's a concern. Um, no, I gotta. Sorry, he tweets too much, so I've got to find this good content here, though. It's okay. Um, while you while you find it, I'm gonna tell the listeners that so far Nebraska has lost to UC Riverside by 20, and they just lost last night to Southern Utah in overtime. Oh boy! Yeah. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Both at home, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh. They play South Dakota. Oh boy! On Friday, and I am almost certain they're going to lose. Tim Miles got in the carpet. And that is you need a steam cleaning. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, yeah, um, so Pat Spencer, who started for Northwestern in their game against Merrimack, uh, you'll notice he is a fifth-year senior, Brendan. The reason he is a fifth-year senior is that he has already used four years of eligibility in another sport, Yes, he used four years of eligibility being an All-American at Loyola, Maryland in lacrosse. Oh, my God. And And that is starting for a Big Ten basketball program is a player who was playing four years of lacrosse at Loyola, Maryland, which is a decent lacrosse team. I'm not saying anything bad about his lacrosse ability. Oh, I'm sure he's great at lacrosse. awesome that he wanted to go play basketball but he probably should not be starting at a Big Ten school. Yeah. No, that's just – that's my hot take. <laughs> no disrespect to this kid. Like, good for him. He's going to be able to be playing Big Ten basketball. He may not enjoy any of the Big Ten basketball he plays. <laughs> but – Oh, man. Wild. Hey, his coach is going to crawl on the floor, though, so that's going to make it – you know, his coach does bore on the floor <laughs> on the sidelines, so – that is the still the greatest pitcher I that exists on the internet. Um, yeah, that's all we got. I expect that to be the like we don't do usually pictures with our our episode. That should be the picture with our episode this week. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll definitely look into it. Um, guys, that's all we got. Uh, 
can't wait to uh, bring you a rivalry preview later in the week that we are actually about to record right now. But that's all we have on basketball, and there's not much else less to talk about except, guess what? Rivalry week is finally here. Jeremy, any parting thoughts? Uh, no, nothing. Uh, you know, I rivalry where I'm already 0-1 on it so um you know great job soccer i hope they are the only ones to take a loss but uh i don't think that will be the case we will see all right everybody i'm gonna go watch rick and morty thank you have a great night